is sponsored by Replenish Me Membership. Show up powerfully. This hybrid online community offers monthly webinars, meetups, and coaching sessions so that you have access to Replenish online. Whether you are seeking something as an individual to relieve your stress or as an organization, a way to resolve team issues and recharge your staff, Replenish Me membership offers it all. Empower yourself today. To find out more about Replenish Me membership, go to bit.ly Replenish Me membership. And now for the free to be show. Good evening and welcome to the free to be show where I interview dynamic individuals who have chosen to dive into their deepest emotions so that they can show up powerfully and impact the world. Tonight, it's my honor to introduce you to someone who I admire and is quite simply a gift to humanity. We met in June 2020 during his co-creating the Bridge event, which was his invitation for humanity to improve race relations after the George Floyd killing in May. During his event, he encouraged participants to silent journal on what their stone in the bridge would be to build their community. This comes as no surprise as he is a world-renowned transformational life and business coach who has created the Game Changer event held every year in his home, New York City, and also California. Amongst his accomplishments is that he is a loving, involved father of three and best-selling author of Fatherhood is Leadership. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Devin Vanderson. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Cordelia. I love what you're up to. And uh, hi, everybody out there. I'm excited. I didn't plan to match you today, but it's always good when you, you match the host with the color of red today. Yes, that's, that's an awesome <laughs> synergy that we didn't, you know, intend for. Well, let's just jump right in sure. and talk about what your story is on how you became free to be and what were you freeing yourself from? That's a great question. You know, I, I think that uh, this thing of evolution and transformation is like a mountain with no top. You know, I think that, you know, it's, it's something that you never get to. It's just a continual practice, right? So, you know, there's been several things throughout, you know, my life that has allowed me to get to, um, to appreciate um, the process of transformation. And, um, you know, part of my story, how I got into fatherhood, you know, working with fathers um, was, you know, because of growing up, you know, I had a father who was uh, my idol very early. And then um, because of uh, drug abuse was very absent. And, you know, I made a promise at that time of, you know, when I become a father, I'm going to be a better a promise that a lot of kids make who are missing their father. So it was a promise that you know, once I become a father, I'm going to do it better than he did. And then we had our daughter and I had no clue what I was doing. So uh, I decided to try to teach the thing I needed to learn the most and, and uh, started out in New York City, you know, in the grassroots and uh, working for a nonprofit in communities and then eventually started my own business. And uh, when I started my own business, you know, I, I worked exclusively initially with fathers who were high performers, but um, 
weren't getting home in time for dinner or I didn't have enough time to spend with their children. And um, it was very near and dear to my heart because at one point I was at a crossroads in my life and, and I, a mentor uh, I, I ran into by accident uh, just by signing up for a training. And, uh, you know, he invited me to California and he asked me two questions. He said, what would you do if uh, you didn't care so much what other people thought? And uh, what would you do if you weren't so concerned about money? And I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I, fatherhood, I love being a father. I'd do that. You know, if I could, you know, find somewhere in my business where I can fit that in, that'd be great. And I looked at him in the most humble New York kind of way. And I said, well, this thing called coaching you're doing, you're pretty good, but I think I could do better. And he laughed and, uh, and he said, well, go build the business around that. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, he said, build the business around exactly that, fatherhood and coaching. And I said, is that even a thing? Like you could build a business around a thing you love? And, uh, and that kind of set my journey off. And, uh, and from that point, I was able to you know, work with some pretty uh, inspiring people and did a TED talk, wrote a book, and and eventually my my practice grew, and I work with you know all human beings, you know men and women right now across the globe, and uh, it, it's the best profession in the world. Personal coaching and business coaching to me, best profession in the world because you know basically you get paid to learn more about yourself, to to continue to grow, to continue to to practice, and and continue to show up for yourself and others. So that's a little about my journey. That's amazing. That sounds really brave, Devin, like to actually build a business around something that you love. Yeah. So what did that feel like as you were starting? Yeah, it, it, it ran the gamut, right? Like, because, you know, anyone out there who's listening, who's starting their business, whatever their business is, or if they're, you know, trying to um, recreate their relationship at work to their work, right? They, they, they've somehow fell into a victim mindset or, or like, you know, press the snooze button every morning or, or recreating their relationships with their significant other, whatever, whatever it is, there's going to be the gamut of emotions and allowing, um, not allowing my emotions to supersede who I'm being. So uh, there was times where I was fearful uh, and afraid, you know, and my best definition of courage uh, is do it afraid right? That's my best definition of courage, that you're going to have that. There were times that were just exciting, and I was exuberant. Um, and I understood very early that a lot of times people, what stops them, what holds them back, is that they allow their emotions to determine, you know, whether they're going to continue and have a productive day or be the person they want to be. So people wake up and say, well, I want to write this book, but I'm not feeling so well, right? Write it anyway, you know? So, so like for me, it's very important to understand that there's no good or bad emotions. It's like, can, can I really um, just be with whatever I'm feeling at the moment and continue to move forward? So, so that was very important on the journey. Uh, and I know, you know, you're big into replenishing. Uh, and for me, self-care was huge. It's something that is um, overstated and underrated. Uh, I think that people, you know, it, it, it's common sense, uh, but not common practice. And for me, you know, self-care is, is I use the analogy of filling your cup in, in a saucer. Uh, and in New York, you know, that thing under the cup we call a saucer, S-A-W-C-A-A, saucer, right? <laughs> And um, oftentimes as, as entrepreneurs or, or people who work, um, 
you know, for a company and parents and uh, siblings, we're often serving people out of our cup and eventually our cup uh, becomes empty. And when our cup comes empty, that's when we're overwhelmed, we're stressed, we can't like stay focused uh, like we usually can. So what we look at is what are the things to fill your cup uh, so there's an overflow? So if there's an overflow, what are the things? Are you taking time, whatever it is, journaling, meditation, walks, hiking. Um, for me, it's spending time with my children, coaching my son's basketball team actually replenishes my cup, uh, being around people who, where there's laughter. Uh, whatever it is to fill your cup, there's an overflow. So now when I'm out there serving my clients, when I'm serving my family, I'm no longer serving from the cup, I'm serving from that overflow that was created. And for me, that's one of the biggest things of um, continuing to keep you on your path to to create whatever you want in your life. You know, you bring up several great points. Um, you mentioned about emotions, um, where people don't want to be with their emotions. They don't recognize that the emotions are really just an alert system. It's like, okay, I'm having this feeling. Don't run away from it. It's like, this is so that I can empower myself and fuel myself to do something more. You also mentioned about um, that victimized mindset. Right, so when we go into that, woe is me, the world is against me, um, it, it makes us small. But instead, um, this is an opportunity to recognize that you know, we don't have to believe that. We can, we can create better, we can do better, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, did you wanna say something more about that? Yeah, no, I just was going to add in, and, you know, my coach, Steve Chandler, always had this distinction between owner-victim mindset, and, and I share it because of, not because I'm teaching about it, it's because I've myself um, lived it out, you know, and sometimes the victim mindset, I know when I was working the nine to five, you know, and I got to a crossroads, there was a point where I really loved my job, and then they gave me a promotion, and then I realized it was a big mistake to take the promotion. And I had a victim mindset and where it shows up is in your thinking and in language. You know, I'm a big believer that our words create our world. Language creates our world. So victim mindset for me sounded something like, oh my God, it's only Monday. Just trying to get through to Friday. Thank God it's Friday. And then Monday would come. They'd say, how was your weekend? Too short. <laughs> right. So, so to me, so what happened was my words created a world in which I was just trying to get through just trying to get through the Friday, just trying to get through the week. And we have an opportunity to look at like just that shift and creating ownership of like, you know, a lot of people wake up Cordelia and stump their toe, right? Or they uh, drop a glass and they say, what? I'm going to have a what? Bad day. Bad day. And then what happens is the mind looks for evidence. So in New York, we get on the subway, it's packed, it's packed every day. But now because I said I'm going to have a bad day, my mind is looking for evidence. Then in New York, I don't know about you, and, and, and they have subway seats that, you know, they got three seats. And now I'm sitting in the seat and there's two and you know this person coming on the train can't fit between us, but they're going to try to fit between us. Now they fit between us and they sit on us. And now my skin is literally like stuck to the seat and now I'm saying, see, I'm having a bad day. Then I get to work and, and then the coworker who like doesn't let you uh, like just settle in and drink coffee yet and they're all, and, and you're saying, see, I'm having a bad day. 
and the mind looks for evidence. So for me, it's very important to create your day early on. I drop a, a cup, I stump my toe, I just look at it and say, I stump my toe, I drop my cup. I'm feeling a little hurt, but that yeah. doesn't determine my day. And I can easily say, I'm gonna create a great day. And just like the, the brain looks for evidence for the negative, it will also look for the other if you create it. So for me, a lot of times with my clients is, that early morning routine, a five-minute journaling exercise, whatever it is to create your day in a way where your mind is looking for evidence that that's happening is way more important. You know, as I'm listening to you, uh, it, it is exactly my concept of sweet talk where you create your reality. Language is so important. You know, whatever it is that you're seeing, the value of your existence is way more powerful and important than that. So thank you for that. We'll be right back and um, we'll dive more into the game-changing art of self-nurturing. Replenish me. When I say that, what comes up for you? And when's the last time that you've done that? And where do you feel that in your body? Well, this is my invitation to you to explore the four steps of my Replenish Me program where women learn how to release restructure, refresh, and rebirth, showing up in the world being true to yourself, only choosing words that honor your values, and only allowing behaviors and people in your life who do the same. Connect with me by reaching out at bit.ly forward slash replenish with love and explore replenish me and now for tonight's show and we're back so Devin, tell us all about what is it like to be at your game changer event and and some components of self-nurturing or self-care yeah, it, it's, it's hard to explain what happens in that room. You know, it, it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, it's, the, it's the best um, program that I have for the public other than my one-on-one -on -one coaching. And, and how it came about was in that mentor in California, you know, he, he invited me to a retreat and it changed the direction of my life. And because of that, I, I made a promise at that point, And I said, you know, if when I get a chance to create an event in which people have access like me, you know, I wasn't trying to pay a lot of money at the time. I didn't know what investing in myself meant. Like, meant. Um, but because I got access to that, it changed the direction of my life. It created a life beyond anything I can imagine. And so that was my promise. And that's what the game changer is, a manifestation of my years of work as a coach and even before and bringing that to a weekend that's really about transformation <clears throat> and um you know it's a three-day event where people come in and, and and day one we're looking at you know it's the game changer so we get on the court rather than in the stands it's not one of those events where you feel good and then two days later you go back into your regular work and then you're back to the old routines people don't leave the same that they when the, when they came to the game changer so because it's not theoretical it's not conceptual it's what i call on the court you know in sports they say on the court versus in the stands and in the stands is 
you know, it's very judgmental of the players, of themselves, self, you know, what they should be doing and all this kind of stuff. People are just shooting on themselves about what they should be doing. And it's very conceptual. The game changer is what I call on the court. So we, we, we take what, what we're doing in real life circumstances of people's lives and get it into action, get it on the court, take a look. So people on day one start with like looking at their life and where they're just playing not to lose. You know, when you're playing not to lose, you're very hesitant. You're, you're skeptical about what steps to take, which it doesn't allow you to really be creative. Day two, we're looking at what would playing to win look like, right? Like what would playing to win look like and what are some of the things that can help you create the life, the relationships, the business that you want. And day three is about playing just for the love of the game because it really, that's what it's all about, about showing up. And um, one of the best ways to describe it to me it, it, is it's the story of Michelangelo and David. And I remember I, I shared the story at a company and I said, everybody heard of Michelangelo and this young woman just out of college raised her hand and she was like, yeah, I know Michelangelo. I was like, yes, who? And she was like, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, and, I, and, and I said, you know, we all laugh. And I said, you're right, because, because of her point of view, that's where she saw. And, and that's the thing we do in the weekend of like, what, what is your point of view? What, what are you walking around the world with these rose colored glasses or whatever colored glasses and, and seeing where are your blind spots? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and on day one, you know, we get accurate. A lot of people think they know where they want to go, but they're not accurate on where they are. So, so we look at that. And, and so the Michelangelo story reminds me of the people in the Game Changer uh, where, you know, when Michelangelo created this. So I told the woman, uh, yes, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, that's Michelangelo. We're going to talk about the other guy, the guy who made stuff. Right. So we, we, we talk about Michelangelo, the guy who made stuff. And, and when he made it, like the great sculptor, right? The sculptor, the great, sculptor, <laughs> okay. that guy. Right? Okay. Let's just be uh, clear. Renaissance, right? Right, right. So when, <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, that guy. So when he created the statue of David, you know, there was a priest. And the priest at the time was very, like, moved, moved to tears that someone could create such a beautiful statue. And, um, and so he looked across the land to thank Michelangelo for creating this beautiful statue of David out of this marble. And uh, it took him about a year and finally runs into Michelangelo and he says, Michelangelo, I just want to thank you for creating this beautiful statue of David. And uh, it just moved me so much. I had to find you and thank you in person. And Michelangelo looked at the priest and said, thank you. He said, and um, I didn't create the statue of David. So the priest was surprised and he looked at him. He said, well, you know, you're, come on, you're Michelangelo. We know you created this out of this beautiful marble. Thank you. Michelangelo again turns to the priest and says, you know, thank you once again. And I didn't create David out of this marble. So now the priest is confused. He looked for a year. He wanted to talk to Michelangelo. He wanted to thank him. And he's like, I, I just don't understand. Everybody told me that you're the guy who created this. And he put his hand over the shoulder of the priest. And he said, I want you to look at this marble. He said, this statue. He said, see, the beauty of David was already in that marble. Right. He said, my only job, my only job was to chip away at the things that weren't David. And when we talk about the game changer weekend, for me, it's the same kind of story.
that that people don't come in missing anything. They have everything inside of them that that is just inside of them that will allow them to create the life, the business or relationships they want. And all we do in the Game Changer Weekend is chip away at the things that are keeping them from, from reaching their full potential, limiting beliefs, uh, bad habits, uh, thoughts, ideas, everything that's getting in the way. And so that's what we do over the weekend. We chip away uh, and people leave as that beautiful statue. So you literally take people from where they are, let them see their potential, and then allow them to reveal that. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you there. It's, it's, uh, it's extraordinary. And, and to me, it, there's no game changer that's ever the same. You know, it's beautiful because we, we go where the room takes us. So it's, it's like, hey, we have some content, but the content doesn't drive us. The people in the room drives us. And it's, 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 it's pretty uh, uh, extraordinary. So good. Yeah. I hope to see. I'll see you there soon. It, oh, so that's a good question, actually. So it happens in November. Um, are you actually having it? Are, are yeah. you? Okay. So, so what we're doing right now is usually have it in November in New York, October, you know, October, November, and then in California in uh, beginning of the year. And then we're looking at London because uh, a lot of people out there in the UK uh, asked me to come out there. So uh, right now we're going to de determine in the next couple weeks uh, whether we're going to do a live event or if I'm going to do it virtual. Um, but I think that the next live event probably won't be, will be pushed back until, uh, first quarter of 2021. Right. So, uh, I'll let you know, I'll send you the information and you can send it out, uh, to your, to your people. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, you also made me think of something else. So like when we think about ourselves as being that marble going back to the self-nurturing piece, right? when we allow our real self to be revealed, that's kind of like the overflow from um, not making ourselves small anymore, right? So the more we uh, pour into ourselves, the more we can reveal and see who that fabulous individual is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say that, remind, that, that like, it sounds like that Marianne Williamson quote, right? That, that was a lot of people thought um, Nelson Mandela actually had that quote because when he was freed uh, after all those years, he, he actually said that quote about like, you know, you're playing small does not serve the world, right? Uh, it is, you know, our deepest fear is not our darkness. It's actually our light and, and we are meant to shine. So I think that you're absolutely right that like when we can see that there's safety like that there's we can get through the fear of saying hey can i shine and be my beautiful self and 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 regardless not so worried what other people think of you is none of your business what other people think of you is none of your business right so what you think of you is your business you know byron katie i went to a nine-day school once and she said there's three types of businesses your business someone else's business and God's business. She said, if you're in one of the other two businesses, you're out of your mind, <laughs> stay, stay in your business. And, and I think that it's, a, it's an important point that when you have permission to kind of look within and say, hey, 
I'm fabulous. I'm, I'm, I'm an amazing person. Uh, that will allow yourself to kind of live into that rather than all these um, thoughts and ideas that come through our mind all throughout the day. When you give yourself the permission, right? Because this is another thing, you know, people are always looking for validation from outside, but it's, it's really just a, something that we have to allow ourselves. Yeah. 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 The, that permission doesn't come from anybody but you. And like I said, people, you know, people's minds are so fickle. One moment that they, they love you, one moment they're saying they're thinking great things, another moment they may not be. So if, you, if your life is determined based on what people are thinking, you're going to be on a roller coaster. And you just have to live into who you feel is your best version of you and, and let everybody else figure out their own life. Right. And, and I know that one of your core values is love. So explain that a little bit, right? It's, it's more like the love that attaches to the source of what love is created from, so. Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it all is, the source is love, right? And I think that there's just oneness, right? So all we see out here is duality a lot of times, like good, bad, right, wrong, black, white. And, 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 and the essence of all of that is, is really love, it's oneness. And, and for me, the source of all that I come from is from love. And it looks, it comes in different forms. It comes from like sometimes a straight talk New Yorker um, to, you know, when, to a, you know, open hearted uh, Californian, right? So, and, and, I, and I use those parts of the country because they're my two favorite parts of the country but love is is a place to come from it's not a place to get to it's not a place to get get it it really is the source of um the highest essence of our being so to me that's where i connect with people that's where i come from and um it's the foundation in everything i do it's the highest vibration you know it's the only way to operate otherwise we can't really do anything and yeah. um you really uh presented that powerfully in your co-creating the bridge event. So I want to thank you for bringing that to the world and changing that conversation surrounding race. That was really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great conversation. We had five, uh, four uh, weekly calls and then one re reunion call. We had over 600 people showed up from all over the world. There were people who from Slovenia, from London, who were tuning in at two, three in the morning um, we had people, it was such a, a diverse group of people who showed up. And, and for me, it was an, it was an easy, um, it wasn't an easy conversation, but it was an easy, um, thing for me to take on in that, like, this is a conversation that has been going on my whole life. Right. So growing up and, and for me, I wanted to create a platform where it was safe to people to ask questions where they would never ask questions before because they felt they would be judged or they'd be looked at as stupid. I wanted to create a space where people could actually disagree without being disagreeable, that people can hear people's different points of view in order to kind of see where we can meet in the middle. And, and for me, that was the most powerful part of the bridge. You know, we had a guy, white guy at one point who said, you know, he, he heard the stories and said, listen, I, I realize I've been both conscious and unconsciously a racist. And he said, and, but I've been unaware of the pain that I'm hearing in these stories. And the guy breaks down and starts crying on the phone and, and, and then says, and I'm not okay with that. And he became one of the 
biggest, biggest um, voices of showing up and wanting to learn because nobody has the answers to this, right? For me, it's, it, it's are we in a continuous inquiry of asking the, be the best questions? So, you know, how do we continue to ask questions about things we don't know? Because there's things we don't know that we don't know. And instead of trying to change the world and do everything all at once, for me, it was like, can we find that little stone in the bridge? What is your stone? And everybody has a different stone. And the stone changes over time. Sometimes the stone is protesting. Sometimes stone is changing policy. Sometimes stone is a conversation with your child that you never had or with your family. Sometimes a stone is, is not turning your, uh, the other way when you see something that isn't right. Um, so we looked at what is your stone in the bridge and the stone will turn over time. And if you look at just changing things, one to 5% a day, um, you could make a real big impact. Just 1% a day over three and a half months, you'll be 100% further along than when you were where you were today. So um, as a result of co-creating co the bridge, we have people who were actively out there changing policy. We have people who brought stuff to their company and, cha and changing the culture of the company. We have people who had conversations with their parents and their children that they've never had in their life. Um, and we built a community where people are supporting people moving forward uh, in regards to like really changing the conversation and, and what's going on around our ability to really interact as humans. Uh, and what we were really up to is um, re redefining and recreating what it meant to be human. And, and that, that's the level that, that we got to in it and we continue. So it's great work and, and I'm proud of the work uh, that the community has done. And uh, it was really uh, fun to be part of. Yeah, and, and no stone is too small. All right, so um, that's it for this portion and we'll be right back with some more words of wisdom. <laughs> Ultimately amazing. It was great. It's been an amazing experience, actually. I was curious, but I was also very reserved, and I was a little bit, you know, like, scared a little bit. I'm at a period in my life where I know there's a new chapter unfolding, and so the, the weekend was very good for identifying what that next chapter is going to look like. Now I just feel so open and alive and awake to possibilities and what I could create next. My favorite part was me probably like letting that vulnerability happen and then understanding the language that I'm using that's my own. It's just like that's my own battle, like me getting in my own head. Devin does a great job of creating a very uh, trusting environment right off the bat. He has no agenda other than seeing what he can do to serve you. I highly recommend it to anyone who is is looking for their next level, looking for what they want to create in their life. So, Devin, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show. I mean, it was a really short conversation, but super powerful because that's how you show up. And um, so in these closing moments, there's an interesting quote that I found on your website. And if you could just break it down for us because there's so much there. Um, I'm going to just read it um, so that the listeners and viewers can enjoy that. The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his, his leisure, 
his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he's always doing both. And this is by James Michener. So, um, yeah. Yeah, my favorite quote in the world, if somebody was to ask, what is your business model? That's my business model right there. Um, and, and what it is, is it goes to that point we were talking about a little earlier with coming from love and that there's really no duality in the world. That, that we, we try to distinguish our work and our play, our labor and our leisure, our religion and our passions. And, and there is no real distinction. And for me, the focus is how do I show up and simply pursue, pursue my vision of excellence? And if I show up as a world-class human being, as a world-class coach, as a world-class father, when people are looking, uh, they, they're always wondering, like Devin just seems like, you know, is he traveling a lot? He's always with his kids. Like, is he working and playing? And for me, like the quote says, I'm always doing both because my goal each day is not to kind of, um, differentiate my work and my play it's just wherever whether i'm playing whether i'm i'm, I'm in focus deep work uh all of it's fun uh all of it there's there's really you know for me is am i showing up in my highest level of excellence am i showing up as world class in what i'm doing so you know a lot of people say to me like devin you're so busy and i'm actually not busy at all um, I do the same three things that I love and I do them pretty, uh, pretty daggone good, right? So I, you know, I, I serve people through my business, I travel, and I spend a lot of time with my kids. And for me, if I, if I pursue my excellence in all three of those, that's why I get those questions like, are you busy? You, sound, you seem like you're having so much fun. Um, because to me, I'm always doing both. And, and, and that's the last thing I, I'd leave your, your, your community with is, you know, when I work in organizations and even with people, the, the word busy comes up a lot. And it's almost like um, a, a badge of honor. Like yeah. you should see how busy I am. And, um, you know, busy, Warren Buffett uh, has a quote that says, busy is the new stupid, you know? And, and for me, it's like, I, I don't want to be busy because I want to create space in my day where I can be at my best wherever I am. So usually people are busy because they're saying yes to way many, too many things. They're people pleasing. So look in your, your daily routine and, and, and look at what are the things that you're most excited about that inspire you the most. You know, for me, it's my work, my travel, my kids, and then create a life around what inspires you most. And when other things come up, you're going to probably need to say no to those because that means you're saying yes to these things. And for me, that is a, a created intentional life rather than a default life. So thank you for that. You heard it here from a world-class father and coach, um, Devin Bandison. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for your time. And for those of you who are listening and viewing, um, create time and space to be free to be. And I know that you've received benefit from listening and watching tonight. So sharing is loving. Share this with another heart, another soul who also needs this message. Good night.